Welcome back to the Red Fern Book Review. I am your host, Amy Mayer, and today I am joined by Jeff uh, to talk about all things Paris. Um, we are recently back from a trip. We've been back for a week, and um, we're going to discuss our trip, and we're going to talk about all the books we read over there, and also about some media and podcasts that we were listening to that we enjoyed. And we're going to talk about four books, uh, and they are Henry and June by Annalise Neen, Murder at Clichy, uh, which is a detective action thriller by Kara Black, the historical fiction novel Jacqueline in Paris by Anne Ma, and The Margot Affair, which is a debut novel by Sine Lemoyne. And with that, I wanted to say... Hello, Jeff, and welcome back home. <laughs> Thanks, Amy. I'm uh, excited to be doing the podcast, you know, on our trip to France, which was super fun. Um, we had originally planned to record in Paris, but we both got sick at the end of the trip. <laughs> yeah, so we were planning to do our podcast the last week while we were there, but we both got quite sick. The wheels kind of fell off, and... Uh, you know, our voices would not have been in good shape for the podcast, so we decided to hold back until we got home. So, so it was little, the right decision. I'm a little disappointed we won't hear the traffic in the background or... Yeah, that um, stuff was fun, but it was, wasn't practical. No. So, okay, anyway, um, first I wanted to ask you, what, what were kind of the high points of the trip for you? Uh, the whole trip or just Paris? Just Paris or Paris. France. Yeah, well, Paris, I thought... It, Paris is like an amazing city. My favorite part of Paris was just kind of wandering around in Paris. You know, when you walk around in Paris, you can see Paris culture. Like, it's very much cafe culture. You know, the restaurants were all full all the time. Not with tourists, but with Parisians who love to get out of their apartment and just hang out and smoke cigarettes and drink wine and drink coffee at cafes. And I just, I love that culture, you know. I love the food. I think the food's amazing, although not all the food was amazing, but some of it was really like some of the best food I've ever had in my life. So I always love, you know, having interesting cuisine when I travel. So that was, that was really fun. Yeah, it was an amazing trip. Um, I actually liked it a lot when we got out of the city. I mean, I loved Paris, but I learned that about myself, that I like the smaller experiences and... Maybe Paris it's, is busy. It's, it's busy so town. busy. It's so busy. And Even in October, it wasn't busy with tourists. It was busy with Parisians. No, it was so busy. And if you would go someplace, you know, I, I remember that one day we went to Montmartre, which is, uh, for most of you know, it's a little um, area that overlooks the city, and it's super quaint, and you people, see it. People on the, probably know Sacré-Cœur. Yeah, they know Sacré-Cœur, and it's... You know, it's just that kind of place where you picture we're going to hold hands and walk down the cobblestone streets and have a crepe. And we went on like a cloudy day on like a Wednesday at one thirty, and we could barely even see the street. And it was our second trip there. On our first trip there, we'd been for a wine festival and we thought, oh, we'd like to go back when it's not so full. But there was almost as many people without the wine festival. Yeah, so... <laughs> it's a busy town. It's busy. But, um, okay, so before we get to the books, I wanted to talk about a couple of things 
that we listened and watched. First of all, we were without television the whole time we were there, which for you and me was kind of a bit of a shock because I'm really used to watching both of us watch TV and you like to game. Yes. So, and I had a bit of withdrawal. That was a bit weird, but anyway, we, we made it through. Um, but one day we just seen enough monuments. I can't remember if that was the day we went to the Louvre, but it was raining. And so we went to see a movie, my idea, and what was we went to see Ticket to Paradise with George Clooney and Julia Roberts. And the reason why we went, one thing we found out is, is that in France, what they do is they'll show English language movies. They'll just play it in the original language and then do the subtitles. So we could enjoy that. And really, that was the only one we could find. And it was the only one we could find. Because the French make a ton of their own movies. I know. I was kind of blown away by how many movies they have that are done in French language in France. And they have like, they always want to talk about like historical events. Exactly. They're very proud. Yeah. I thought the Americans were proud until... We were in France. Until we were in France. Like, they're very proud people. But this movie, um, so the story is George Clooney and Julia Roberts play an di- unhappily divorced couple, former couple, and their beautiful daughter takes off to Bali, uh, just traveling, and before you know it, she um, lets them know just within like weeks that she's fallen in love and planning to marry a, a local guy. And so anyway, they have to team up and get along and go to Bali and try to stop this wedding. And what did you think of this movie? Well, I'm embarrassed to say I really enjoyed it, but I think the reason I enjoyed it was I was really craving some North American culture at the time. It was pouring rain outside, and it was just really fun to go to a movie with you. But the movie itself, I have to say, is not great. Like, it's very... I thought it was quite contrived, but it was fun. I think it was fun. It was fun. It's a B movie, but I don't think it's trying not to be a B movie. It's not trying very hard at all. I think George Clooney, you know, and Julia Roberts wanted to go to Bali and make a movie together. I think so, too, because it was during the pandemic, and they probably had a blast, and Julia's got her beautiful smile and in an array of pantsuits, like every scene, and then George Clooney kind of is, you know, his charming self, and I will, yeah, I think it's, I think it's probably, I don't know if you need to go to the movie theater, though. I would wait. I'd probably wait. On Netflix. Um, Okay, so the second thing I wanted to mention is a really great podcast called, and it's a blog, and it's called Earful Tower, and it is uh, run by this uh, very photogenic guy, young guy named Oliver Gee, and his beautiful wife, uh, Lena, and their adorable baby, and they're both appear to be 30-somethings, and he's originally from Australia, and she is Scandinavian. And so what they do is they do a wonderful podcast and blog about all things Paris, and it's it's geared towards tourists. So if you are missing Paris, if you've been there, you want to check it out, or if you're planning to go, I highly recommend it. And they don't get paid for anything they recommend. So they one of my favorite things is they, um, for a whole year, they did each arrondissement, and they just give you a couple of great little tips. And they break it down because you can get so overwhelmed by all 
the wonderful choices you have to make. And we we followed it a bit. Wouldn't you say that? Yeah, good I thought tips? we got some really great tips out of it. It's it's easy to listen to. It uh, I think it goes kind of a step beyond most of the tourist blogs and goes into places that you would really only know if you'd spent like a lot of time in Paris and they live there. Yeah, they live there. So uh, I thought it was really good actually. And they're fun. They're fun to listen to. They're fun. Um, And then the last uh, media I wanted to recommend was the movie Marie Antoinette, which is written and directed by Sofia Coppola. And I think we both give that a five-star review. Well, it was great because we, one of the, you know, very highlights of my trip was uh we did this bike tour in Versailles and went all around Versailles and to Marie Antoinette's uh little faux village that she created little faux village in the back of uh, Versailles which was one of the things that kicked off the French Revolution or it was one of the things that fed the French Revolution because she was um you know, people thought she was mocking them because she created a village like commoners villages mm-hmm. and they, she was kind of trouncing around in it with her rich, wealthy friends and, you know, pretending to be normal. And people didn't like that. No. It was like many of the things that Marie Antoinette did that, you know, spurred on the French Revolution. Yeah. And we had just seen, we just got on this tour and then we went, we saw the movie and it was just beautifully filmed like beautiful and, and it was all done at versailles all I, done I at versailles access to do it it's quite amazing with uh, kirsten dunst and jason schwartzman and one of my favorite things about it and it all seemed like kind of done on like a foggy beautiful day and there was an awesome soundtrack with tunes from the 80s and 90s like the strokes and new order the Cure, Adam and the Ants, and it. What I thought was really cool is I often don't like movies that are overly stylized. Like I know you do a bit. Um, I don't like that. Like I really don't like Peaky Blinders, for example, which I know you love, just because I don't like the way it's filmed. I find it too fantastical, and this was so cool because it was really. Um, Pretty true to the historical facts. It's very historically accurate. But yet it was very modern, like the music, and there was a modern edge to it, but it was super watchable. Like I just didn't find it, um, there was fantasy, I don't know, I just thought it was lovely. Well, what I liked about it is that it was very historically accurate, and and my impression, I just am kind of guessing at this, but I'm thinking because they filmed it at Versailles, they had to actually get permission to do it yeah and the owners of Versailles would not have allowed it to be made if it wasn't historically accurate so it was hyper accurate but somehow also but also fun fantastical and modern. and modern and totally fun yeah the other the other thing that I thought was great um I loved you know we didn't go on that many tours throughout our trip but every time we did I loved hearing from local people and what I thought was so interesting which was also portrayed in this film like in school, when we learn about Marie Antoinette, she just seems like this awful person. And uh, I found that the, our tour guide had a lot of sympathy for her and that she kind of was set up and really didn't have much choice. Now, and she wasn't prepared. She wasn't supposed to be. What, was she like 15 or 16 when she became queen? Yeah, well, yeah, and she wasn't supposed to be. So she didn't have the education, the proper training, and she didn't have the exposure. And 
the age and wisdom. And she was kind of almost a sacrificial lamb. That's, I, I felt that she did make bad choices, but I thought it was interesting that there, there was some sympathy. And I also really felt that in the movie as well. Well, and her husband, which we learned on our trip was autistic. And I thought they did a really good job of portraying that subtly, you know, in yeah. The movie. Or, or believed to be. Yeah, for sure. Def- definitely. Um, was an outside the box dude. Yeah. And that's for sure. Okay. Um, let's talk about the books now. Um, okay. I, this is going to be interesting because Jeff is going to talk about Ananis Nin and I don't know what he's going to say and you better keep with my, (laughs) my, uh, family rating on the podcast or the PG rating. Um, so, Sex sells. Uh, do you want to go first or do you want to go last? <laughs> um, why, don't you, why don't you go? Do you want to go first? Sure. Okay. All right. Here we go. So, Ennis Neen, uh, for those of you who don't know, is considered the first significant female writer of erotica. So, when Amy asked me to choose a French author to discuss on the podcast, <laughs> I really only had ever heard of one, and Anna Eastneen's name popped into my head, and so I decided to uh, to do that for my book. So a little bit of background on Anna Eastneen. She was born in 1903. She was the daughter of you know two relatively famous musicians, one a composer and one a classically trained singer, so she grew up in an art- artistic family. She's Cuban-French, but she was mostly raised in the United States, so she has obviously very strong English language skills and and, uh, an American background. Um, She lived in Paris for 16 years uh, from the age of 21 till she was about 37, and it was during this time uh, that she uh, wrote her diaries. She wrote diaries actually from the age of 11 on, and the diaries that she wrote during her time in Paris are what became Henry and June. Um, so at the time of writing, she was married to a gentleman named Hugo Geiler. And he was uh, sort of a boring banker. Like, I think she loved him, but she was quite uh, bored by him. And he was a very sort of inside the box, you know, conservative guy. Um, but I do, you know, I do think she loved him. Um, but she clearly needed, uh, more from her life. So while she was in Paris, she met Henry Miller and Henry Miller, um, for those of you who don't know, is a, you know, a, a relatively famous author from the early 1900s. He wrote Tropic of Cancer and, and other books. Wait, wait. Early 1900s? Early... Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like 1920. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Area, era. Um, and, you know, Henry Miller was being paid by a wealthy patron to write erotica. And so that's kind of how Anais Neen got into writing erotica. But so she was writing fictional erotica, but she was also writing her diary. And it was during this time that she really had like a full on sexual awakening. So she was married to uh, Hugo 
but she started having an affair not only with Henry Miller, but also with Henry Miller's wife, June. What? Yeah. Um, and the list actually goes on. And wait, did, did Hugo know about all this? No, he didn't. He didn't. Oh. And it never actually goes, you know, the book never gets into explaining how that all turned out. Uh, but I believe she ended up actually divorcing Hugo and getting remarried later in her life. Uh, but she was, in addition to having an affair with Henry Miller, she was also having an affair with uh, Eduardo Sanchez, who was her cousin, uh, which is a bit, you know, a bit off. But um, And she really was attracted to him. And then she was also, you know, while she was having this these affairs and having this sort of sexual awakening she was also doing psychoanalysis so she was super into this was the time of freud and psychoanalysis was really very big and so she was going to this uh psychoanalyst named renee allenby and you know she was talking about all of the sexual affairs that she was having during this time with her psychoanalyst and then she eventually ended up having an affair with him as well so it's you know it's quite a it's quite an interesting book in that way because. So it, hold on. So the book, the book is fiction. No, it's so, her diary. Oh, it's just her diary. It's considered. And to June be is accurate. Henry's wife. June is Henry's wife. Yes. Oh, okay. So she had, you know, her affair with June was less. It's a little bit tough to tell from the book because a lot of it's sort of her fantasizing about June, but she clearly had some sort of like, um, I don't know if erotic's the right word, but she had some sort of like connection to June beyond just, you know, friendship. So what, how was this book received at the time? Uh, you know, it was never released at the time. It was her diary. Oh, it was actually, okay. uh, you know, create, like out of her diary, several books were made. You know, this is the one that sort of takes the relevant aspects of her relationship with Henry and June and these other characters and sort of like combines them into the book that is Henry and June. And so I think it was released in like, I want to say the 1950s. Um, okay. but even at the time, I think it was probably pretty revolutionary. She, she was releasing fictional books at the time. I'm not actually sure how they were received. And I believe she wrote them under a pseudonym because nobody was really releasing, uh, erotica at the time, you know, under their own names because it was really, really looked down upon. And what did so, you, what did you so, think of the book? Well, a couple, couple of things I'll say. I, I think that Anna Aisneen was a real revolutionary. Like, she was, for her own reasons, not because she was trying to move women's, you know, sexuality forward, but she actually ended up sort of doing that. She, she was one of the first sort of female, uh, you know, authors to say, yeah, it's okay to, for women to enjoy sex and, and do whatever they want to do. And I think that's, you know, pretty positive. I don't know that she meant to do that with Henry and June because it was a diary, but she was clearly clearly trying to do that with some of her other books. Um, what did I think of the book? You know, um, I enjoyed the writing. I think her writing's very beautiful. Like, the words she uses are, you know, very well chosen and just 
quite poetic. You know, I think she did a quite quite a good job of portraying the characters uh, of Henry and June. You, you know, you get to know them quite a bit, um, and and sort of like are interested in them, and it gets a lot into you know not just all this sex that's going on, which is kind of fun to read, but it's uh, it also gets into all the insecurities and jealousies and and challenges that go along with having multiple sexual partners at one time so i thought that was all all quite interesting um you know where i thought it didn't totally catch me is annie sneen while she was a sexual revolutionary wasn't a particularly deep thinker beyond that so you know she's a bit vain she's a lot vain um, and she, the things she cares about tend to be, you know, people's looks and, you know, things that are quite vain. She, yeah. So, so Neen herself is, she's a bit too shallow and a bit too vain for me to find her attractive as a, as a character. And so, you know, I, you know, one of the questions I was kind of like trying to ask myself is like, is this good erotica and like, is it interesting to listen to? And while I found it quite sexy, I didn't find it to be a turn on because I found the characters a little bit like a little bit too vain and not that like engaging. So yeah, I kind of enjoyed the book, but I, you know, I, I didn't, yeah, I thought it was fine. Okay. All right. So I'm going to talk about three books. Um, two that I liked, and then I'm going to pull in one that I just loved from a year ago because I felt like I had to end on that. Um, but the first book I want to talk about is um, Murder at Clichy, which is a detective action thriller, I would say. And if you like the show Moonlighting from the 80s, um, I think this might be for you. So... It is by an American author named Kara Black, and what she's done is she's obsessed with Paris. She loves it, and she's set um, these murder mysteries in each arrondissement in Paris. And what what's interesting is this one, Murder, murder at Clichy. I think you said Henry and June takes place Henry in Clichy? Miller, Henry Miller lived in Clichy, yeah. So this neighborhood was interesting. Um we walked through it because we wanted to both understand it. It's a weird neighborhood. It was, it, in my opinion, you know, each, you know, there's 20 districts in Paris and many, if not all of them, each have their own little flavor. This one was kind of a mishmash. I think it's because it's been gentrified very, very slowly over a very long period of time. Like when Henry Miller was living there, it was described as being kind of a seedy part of town. And it's close to um, the Pagal. The Pagal, where all the sex clubs are. So. But then also, part of it's quite fancy. Yeah. So it's kind of this. I think that's the gentrified part. I I don't know. I there's something about it. It's sort of I didn't really like it that much compared to all the other. I agree. Yeah. Uh, neighborhoods. It was kind of blah to me. But um, this this book um, is set there, and what she does so well is she does take, like, real churches, real places, real um, things that happen in 
the neighborhood. So you really feel like you're there. And what it is, is her heroine is named Ame. Same name as me, but spelled differently, pronounced differently. So Ame LaDuke. And um, she runs a, a detective agency. And so, of course, like any serial detective novel, she finds herself in very um, dangerous situations on the on the regular. And in this case, she ends up going to, um, she's doing meditation at a church in Clichy, and a woman, a nun, hands her an envelope and says, hey, can you go give this to somebody? And so she agrees to do it, and because it's a nun, and then she goes to meet the person, and as she's handing off the document, she's given something in return, um, and it's this mysterious jade that's gone mis- missing, and the guy is murdered on the spot right in front of her. So then there's this whole... The guy who she gave the envelope. Yes, okay. yes. And so then it involves the French Secret Service, a group of veterans of war in Indochina, some wealthy ex-colonials, international corporations seeking oil rights, and there's this whole, like... That's how the story Kerfuffle. unfolds. Um, my mom recommended this. Yes, kerfuffle. My mom recommended this. She absolutely loves this series. Um... I didn't love it. I I found it kind of I don't know how I'd describe it. And you like a cozy mystery, so it's a cozy you know what? Yeah, that's right. It's a cozy mystery. I liked it, I just didn't love it. But if you like cozy mysteries and you like Paris, you might want to try you might want to check this this author out. Um, okay, the next book is called Jacqueline Jacqueline in Paris by Anne Ma. And this book got a lot of buzz this fall. And I listened to it on audio, which I really enjoyed. And what it is, it is an historical novel about Jacqueline Kennedy. And she did a year abroad in Paris. And so it was September 1949. And that's all true. And so the author, who is um, clearly loves Paris, she's not Parisian, she has pieced together what likely happened while she was there and then also taken it and run with it into this beautiful historical novel. And, you know, Jacqueline Bouvier at the time, um, she is at Vassar College and she has, she comes from a wealthy family, but also kind of a family that's trying to engineer her into a really great marriage. She doesn't come from, she's not a blue-blooded American. And so there's a lot of pressure on her to be a certain way. Um, she's a debutante, she's, but she's allowed to go on this trip and kind of almost like a rumspringer event, like kind right. of just... Yeah. They know she's going to discover herself. So, yeah, so of course she falls in love um, and also just gets exposed to new ideas. For example, she's exposed one big thread in this novel is communism. And while she's been taught as an American how awful it is, she's exposed to it in kind of a philosophical way because while we know communism is a, a bad idea, um, if you look at some of the philosophical arguments behind it, maybe at the time, she starts to maybe look at it in a, a grayer way, like starts yeah. to kind of understand. I don't think communism is de facto bad. It just hasn't worked out very well. It hasn't worked out very well. 
Um, and it's just a beautiful look at the city and, you know, jazz cafes and theater. And also, which I also noticed when we were on our trip, it's very much just post-war. So the people that she's around, like she's running into potential spies, people that are quite poor because of all that they've lost during the war, like you can really feel the war still. And that even so many years later when we were traveling there, um, I could feel a lot about the war. And when people were talking about it, the monuments, we actually Absolutely. went we went to Rouen and we actually went to buildings that had, you could see like the mortar shells that had been left in the buildings. And, you know, you just don't feel that uh, for obvious reasons here without have having a world war on, um, soil. on our soil. So that is explored. I, it's a great book. I think, um, for listeners for this will really resonate with a lot of, um, a lot of listeners, it's it's a, would be a great book club book. Um, and Anne Ma herself, she's written a couple of great books. She's written a book, uh, The Lost Vintage, and another book called Kitchen Chinese. And she is a travel writer and journalist. And she she is based partly out of Paris and Washington D.C. And she just does a really great job. I think one of the better jobs of kind of mixing. Um, uh, Histor- yeah, historical fiction, but also making it a fun, a fun read. Fun story. Yeah. So, um, but I, I still wouldn't call. It, I wouldn't give it five stars. But is, is it pretty accurate? Do you think? I think so. Like I think, I think um, she. I think all of the things that happened could have happened. Okay. So, but yet she. I don't. I didn't feel that she was bound by it. Like I felt yeah. that she very much allowed it to read like a novel. So I like that. And then the last thing I wanted to mention was, is a fabulous book, which I've been wanting to talk with all of you about. And it's called The Margot Affair by Sine Lemoyne. And this is a literary book. It's a sexy book. It includes a lot of food writing, which is always fun. A lot of recipes. Um, It's a very French story. And what this book is about uh, is about a young woman named Anouk, and her dad or her father is um, uh, a dip- or he's a high up in the French government, and he is not married to her mother, so she's an illegitimate child, and his her mom is Margot, and she's this kind of fabulous um, actress. And he has a wife. And so she's always known that. And he has never publicly acknowledged her. But she turns 13 and she's in the Luxembourg Gardens, which I highly recommend you go to if you're ever in Paris, because we like that place. And she ends up seeing her father with his actual wife. And it really upsets her because she sees firsthand this other life. And up to now, she's been kind of content because he spends tons of time with her. Um, And so she does something kind of unthinkable. And there's a device where she ends up running into a journalist. And she, this journalist befriends her at a party. And she just lets this information out about who she really is. Because she wants to be known. And so that's the story. 
and why it's good setup. I like that setup. That sounds interesting to me. Yeah, it's a good setup, and it really brings to mind um, Francois Mitterrand. Mitterrand, um, when he died, there's this famous photograph of his wife with the mistress alongside, and then the um, his illegitimate daughter crying all together. So you kind of that that's kind of a French part of the culture. Culture, and then this is this young uh, girl talking about what it's really like mm-hmm. and just wanting to be known. And what's so good about it is it's got that she's very good capturing that childlike voice and how awful and wonderful and naive a 13 year old can be and kind of capturing that time of life. And it also is a little bit reminiscent of Ian McEwan's atonement where a teenage girl also uh, does something that changes everyone's life and she's sort of playing with fire. And so this young woman is doing just that. Um, but the, the author is a young author and she's really talented, um, Sine, and she has, um, a multicultural background. Her, her mother is Asian. Her father is Parisian and her mother spent time in a Spanish speaking country and spoke Spanish to her. So she's just and she now lives in New York. Mm. And she's also um, is a cookbook or has been a cookbook editor for Martha Stewart and another publishing company. So she's really into food. And if you follow her on her Instagram, she's got all these beautiful pictures of food. But I like this novel. It's a quiet novel. It's not that long. And it's just super well written um, and just really captured my attention. So Awesome. Sounds like a great book. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to say today? No. I had a great time in France with you. It was fun. Yeah, it was fun. But um, what, what did you learn about? We learned a few things about traveling, too, didn't we? Maybe we don't go to museums together. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. We learned lots on the trip. Uh, the other one was maybe don't stay in one place for a month. Yes. We love Paris, but um, yeah, a month was a little too long in one place to be a tourist. Yeah, no, it's true. And you know what? Jeff does not have a big attention span. I have a longer one, and I felt that it was a little too long. But you know what? We did say, like, you could go somewhere and maybe also do something, like have, um, I don't know, take a class or... Yeah, I think it's too long to be a tourist in one place. If you're doing something other than being a tourist, it's not too long. Yes, because you said at the end of the day, like kind of halfway through, this is kind of about monuments and food. Yeah. And, and so like at, we need to add something in. Thankfully, we had visitors. Yeah, so which, which broke stuff up and made it really fun. Big shout out to our visitors, Krista, Jen, and Gina. Um, and Rob and Krista Lee. And Rob and Krista Lee. We really liked, we, you know, we didn't know. We thought, well, maybe we're going to be having such a fabulous time. We don't know if we want visitors. And then we were like, how many more days until our visitors come? <laughs> but we did. We had a great time. Oh, it was awesome. And I loved seeing Paris with you. Yeah, so. me too. Anyway, thanks so much for listening. And um, we'll talk to you later. Thanks, Amy. Bye. Okay, bye. Thanks so much to Jeff for coming uh, back on the podcast. 
to do a roundup of our trip to Paris and talk about the literature we read there. I don't think I'm going to be picking up Henry and June anytime soon, but I really appreciated learning about um, Annie's name. And yeah, she was definitely ahead of her time. That's for sure. And one other thing I wanted to point out, I forgot to mention um, uh, when I was talking about the Margot Affair, the author, Sine Lemoyne, uh, the reason why she came up with the idea for this book was her father, in fact, had a separate family. And um, this came out later in her life. And he told her, and he is not famous. And she started to wonder what would happen in, if that happened to someone who was famous. And so that was kind of a germ. That's where the germ of the idea for the book was. Anyway, thanks so much for tuning in. And I will talk to you later.